Welcome to the Invincible Innovation Show, the podcast for changemakers. Each week, I talk to the most fascinating entrepreneurs and innovation leaders about innovation, strategy, and design. Hey, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about the powers of innovation, culture, and leadership in Israel, the startup nation, which is a subject I really love. And I'm connected to. Welcome to Invincible Innovation Live Show. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm Adima Zorkario, innovation and value creation expert, and I'll be your host. And today with me, I have Janet Cernak. Hi, Janet. Hi, Adi. How nice to be here. I'm so happy that you're, you're with me. Janet is the founder and the CEO of Imagine Nation. Great to be with you here. I'm so happy that you're joining me. We're live on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook, and you're much invited to join the discussion and ask questions, and now we can start. So before we start all of that, we, ha- we have to just, you know, make it clear. Why are we talking about Israel? You're from Australia, and I'm not going to be the interviewee, so you're going to tell me why <laughs> we're talking about Israel and tell us your story and how did you become to, to, to teach people how to uh, innovate like an Israeli. Okay, so um, my first exposure to Israel was when I was 18 and young and gorgeous and idealistic. I went and spent a, a year on a kibbutz and uh, went right across, you know, the whole uh, volunteer experience. I went with a group of fellow Australians and I always loved um, the Israeli culture. I always really loved the energy and the... optimism and enthusiasm of the people that I met and uh, finally uh, I did get back there in 2010 when my husband and I made a very uh, life-changing decision to relocate to Israel and we ended up living in a beautiful Mediterranean city called Zichron Yaakov and what happened is despite um, having a left a very successful career here and, and business uh, here in Australia. I was from Sydney. We you know where I was top of my field in corporate learning and culture change and change management. Suddenly I arrived in this amazing place uh, that couldn't have been more different than what it was when I was 18. And I discovered pretty quickly that everything I knew just didn't matter. Um, In that environment so one of the things that they say about Israel is that it operates on the edge of chaos and <laughs> that's the right other, <laughs> the other thing they say about Australia is that oh you know we have this amazing quality of life and we're really comfortable and so you know it, it was chalk and cheese and despite having had more experience I think at that point I had like 25 years of experience in the whole corporate arena and Um, everything I knew and all the models and all of the tools in my kit were really irrelevant in a culture that was constantly in a state of volatility, uncertainty, ambiguity and complexity. So I had the opportunity uh, to actually either start doing um, sales training or negotiation training for Israelis trying to sell to America. Or to let go of all of what I knew and come from a beginner's mind and seek a new possibility 
uh, for reinventing myself. And ultimately, um, that's what I chose to do. Wow, that, that's a great story. So in an innovative situation, an innovative country, you find yourself innovating yourself in a sense, right? Yeah, re total reinvention. I, I just discarded. And the other thing too is that Israel's very paradoxical. Whenever you speak to an Israeli, um, Adi hasn't done it yet, but I'm sure she will during this session. <laughs> I always talk about two hands, you know, on the one hand, you can think of it like this. And yeah. on the other hand, you can think of it like that. So we learned the two hands um, approach, which ultimately became the basis for one of the skills that we teach in our programs, which is wow. called paradoxical thinking, is to always work with what is um, and with what could be. So we talk about both and, and, and Israel is the land of both and. You know, yeah. you have, you have, you never know what's going to happen. You know, you have <laughs> no. this necessity for survival. You know, and adversity breeds um, inventiveness and innovation. And on the other hand, you have tikkun olam. You know, let's make the world a better place. Let's find a problem to solve. See how we can add value to humanity. And you just have this constant collision of two contradictory um, programs going on. So yeah. It's it's so funny because, you know, when you're in it, I could tell you that I just found out about it only like in the last year or two when I started to work more with Europe. It's like it's the first time I understood that there is this kind of thinking because it was so obvious for me that everybody's like that. And, and it's strange that you're talking about chaos because, you know, I wrote a book, Innovating Through Chaos, and I, I talked about the, the chaotic situation in Israel. So it's really interesting to see someone who's coming from the inside and, he, and, and you know, will surely see things that we don't fathom, we, we don't understand even. And it's really, really like interesting to see um, the things that I found obvious that maybe they are not that obvious in other places, I guess. So as you see it, why Israel is so innovative? Why is, why is it like the startup nation? Yes, well, I didn't know that either until I got the book, um, Startup Nation, and, and read the book, and I thought, oh, I didn't know this aspect of, of Israel either. So one of the things that I, I did in the first year was, fortunately, I still had projects going on in Australia, so I didn't actually need to look for work, was that I, I could let go of my good haircuts and my nice wardrobe and having to wear makeup every day and... <laughs> and yeah. all my roles and former identities and just be fully present to what was really going on. And because um, my background is at that point was, I don't know, 20 years in organisational culture research and analysis and diagnosis, I could actually just observe um, at a very deep level, what were the cultural drivers? So on the one hand, see, here I go. On the one <laughs> hand, I could immerse myself in the startup lifestyle because 11 years ago, no one knew about startups. You know, this is just like, and there was this whole new language of nimble and agile and iterate and pivot. And, you know, now it's in our vernacular, but 11 years ago, people just didn't talk minimal viable product lean you know what how do all these bits fit together and on the other hand I could look you know from a systemic perspective what's driving this amazing culture and uh, and I, I actually um, came out 
<laughs> and have presented over the years some of those key drivers. So we were taught here in Australia, it's really interesting that survival culture is bad, you know, because it breeds um, power and control and competitiveness. And, and probably you, you do have all of that stuff going sure. on in Israel. Sure. But it also pushes you pushes you to do things that you um, that make you feel uncomfortable and we call that discomfort resilience now is to be and Israelis are just so comfortable with being uncomfortable that they don't even notice that they do that anymore yeah so so you do have this sort of um, survival culture and it does collide with that uh, Jewish value of tikkun olam and let's save the world and make the world a better place. So you're actually seeing this collision. And there are other collisions too because it's a very argumentative culture, which is so indicative. <laughs> I, I, I love this word. It's like it sounds good, argumentative. It's, yeah. it's not like uh, too rude, it's argumentative. That's a good word. <laughs> it's very, you know, if you, you speak, you go into a conversation with an Israeli, there's always, you know, a difference um, in, in points of view. So, um, and that's very much reflected by the current political situation. On the other hand, through necessity, um, they've built this incredible ecosystem now everyone talks about ecosystems now but nobody knew about ecosystems 11 years ago so um, whilst you do have this um, argumentativeness it enables them to maximize the diversity of the 104 different cultures that live in Israel who are glued together only by their Jewish peoplehood which is another whole complex issue so um, you have that so you have all the differences so there's so much diversity there but on the other hand you have this willingness to collaborate um, at a very high level so the government collaborates with venture capitalists who collaborate with high-tech firms who collaborate with universities um, who collaborate with startups and so they collaborate internally it's called competitiveness they uh, collaborate internally to compete externally. So you have this, yeah. this dissonance, we now call that cognitive dissonance, um, going between these, these two streams. Yeah, I, I think that what you're saying about collaborate, uh, collaboration in Israel, I think that Israelis are, it's a very small country and everybody yes. knows everyone more or less, you know, and, and, and I could meet someone the first time and I just talked to him for, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, we'll find someone that we know together. So it's like, it's built in because you know that it's some kind of elaborated family. And yes. it, with family, you usually collaborate. You know that, that you have so many similar, similarities that you don't have any other choice, right? So... Uh, that's the first thing. And, and the second thing about the startup ecosystem, they're so used to sharing knowledge, to talking to each other, to, to, yeah. to tell each other, this is a mistake I've done. You could avoid it or not, but this is what I learned, which is so important, especially when you're just starting with an idea and, and startups, they are starting. It doesn't matter if you're, it's your fourth initiative and you're an entrepreneur and you know it's still a new thing. 
and it's so important to avoid some kind of a mistake that somebody else might have done in the past, if you could. Yeah, and mentor mentorship is really generous in Israel. You know, there's we even ran a, um, here we go, I'll go off track a bit. We even ran a business networking meeting every week for four years for speakers, English speakers in the five-town area, um, which was, you know, if in Israel, if you don't network, you don't work. So... Uh, you know, the, the willingness to learn from others was huge and they were, you know, a lot of businesses have flourished as a result of that. So there is the um, ecosystem and I think if you go up a level, um, the ecosystem ensures survival and compet international competitiveness really and growth. So that's high level. So we always say that um, in, in Israel what binds people together is their, is that they are passionately purposeful about the survival and continu continuity of the state, even though they may disagree about how that should be done. <laughs> they, they always disagree in general. Yeah. It does and, make and you for a decision. Oh, yeah. The second thing that I noticed is that um, there is this notion, you know, we've always being brought up as a Jewish person outside of Israel, you're always told that, um, what does it say? You know, it's, it's Judaism is a faith and a way of life. But I think when you live in Israel, you really learn that it's about Jewish peoplehood. Um, so, you know, there are the Jewish values. There is that strong sense of um, solidarity. And I'll, I'll use the term, ikhpatli. you know, I really care. I really care about the world. Tikkun um, I want to repair the world. And there's still um, maybe not so many idealistic kibbutzim left, but it was the altruism and the legacy of the kibbutzim. So the Israelis will play in the place of possibility to make the world a better and a fairer place. Um, that's really strong. I met the most amazing people in so many different modalities of caring um, things I'd never heard of up until I'd lived there. So um, the other thing I noticed is that um, you've got, here you go, rigid order and random chaos. Is <laughs> Rigid order? Where do you see rigid order? Like in the <laughs> army? <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a really good point. So you've got um, this whole, remember Israel's a very young country. It's only 70, yeah. what, 70 something years old. Yeah. So it doesn't have a lot of cultural norms. So people can pretty well do what they like. Where, yeah, another you know, thing that makes us really, really young. Oh, first, we, we're cutting each other in the middle of a sentence, yeah. but you're used to that, is, <laughs> is the fact that we have lots of kids. It's really a young country because we yeah. have many kids. And when you walk in the streets, you see many kids and young people. It is really country for youth, absolutely. But on the other hand, it's also got that pioneering spirit, you know, because you had all of these academics and musicians and um, philosophers go there and, you know, build these centres like Zichron Yaakov, you know, where we were. So there's this pioneering spirit and the word in Hebrew is bitsui, you know, be pragmatic um, so yeah, they're very we, we courageous. We say tachlis. 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 Oh, I'm coming to that. 
so, so very courageous and resilient. Like, you know, the people, my um, friend on the kibbutz had been in six wars. You know, it's like, how could you have lived your life and have fought in six wars? So, you know, they're, they're very, um, the, the level of, of having to do things. Um, and never be a friar, you know, never be a fool, never be taken advantage of. So I think yeah. this thing about um, being courageously experimental, adaptive and resilience is just such a such an admirable quality of, of the Israelis and the stories. And, you know, you meet someone and then if you ask the questions and then they start to tell you their story, you just like go, oh, my God, you know. And my husband's just telling me, um, oh, I met someone today who's never left East Bentley, you know, here in Melbourne. And I'm going, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, the other thing, everyone talks about Israeli chutzpah. And I, you know, when you speak to an Israeli, they go, oh, it's just where, you know, we've got chutzpah. But it's actually um, more than that. So they are audacious. They are disruptive argumentative and challenging and extremely self-confident. But it's important to understand that, you know, this is the mindset of, you know, you're never going to get me again. You know, I'll never be vulnerable. I'll always be able to stand up for myself and Davka, I'll just do it anyway. You know, no one will. Yeah. I don't yeah. need your permission. I don't need yeah. your approval. I don't need your acceptance. So... And and tell me, how, how did you experience that as somebody who comes from a very polite and calm culture? How I'm was it for you? We had Jewish mothers uh, in, oh. outside of Israel. We have Jewish mothers. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, we learn chutzpah at, at a very young age. I think it's sort of a Jewish thing. It's not just Israeli. Um, no. I actually really liked it. I liked the bold confidence. I liked um, their their willingness to provocate and disrupt, and um, I didn't mind that. What I did find challenging was um, when I'd met somebody for five minutes and they'd asked me what I did, and I would tell them, and then they think they could go off and do it themselves. <laughs> <laughs> of course, but without and, and better know, and better. Oh. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And you know, it's it's a, one of the very funny stories that I learned from these interviews that I talked to Benny Schlick and he told me a very, very funny story. And I always, it's when we talk about Israelis, I'm always reminded about his story. He says that in the PISA test, you know, the test for kids, it want to test out your math skills and language skills and so forth. So uh, it's done all over the world. And, uh, and at one stage, I don't know if it's like one time or they always do, uh, do it, uh, they asked uh, how sure you are on the result that you will succeed. And Israelis, they're always, they're not that good in math, although people think that the, like startup nations should be really good at math. So no, we're, we're next to Mexico or something like that. So we're not good. And when we were asked um, how sure you are with the results, we got first. <laughs> <laughs> which is so Israeli they're so sure that they know it doesn't matter they don't like they, they don't let the facts confuse them in any sense <laughs> I think that's really important is that um, you know is that 
self-efficacy, you know, that belief in, in self. And I, I think it does come from a lot from spending time in the IDF and that whole notion of networks for life. Um, you know, where they, they are taught leadership and team skills, you know, it is an open innovation society. It's um, not hierarchical. Uh, there's lots of mentoring. They they pay it forwards. They team and lead the hard way. I love Dov Froman's book. I think that was the other thing that woke me up, Startup Nation and um, the book Dov Froman wrote. So that that ability to collaborate through necessity and lead by example. I mean, there, there's so many heroic stories and everybody has lost a husband or a father or a brother or a son or a cousin, you know, so it's it does have that, um, that closeness. Yeah. yeah. So there's the, the other um, point I think that really drives it is um, when I went, when I won one of my first projects, um, I looked at the team, so it was with an HR team in a global security software organisation, and there was one person from Brazil, one for, we had Moroccan background, one had Polish background, one was a Sabra, um, I think the other one was our, may have been Algerian and somebody was from somewhere else, is that there is just so much diversity, you know, there's just so many different cultures and, you know, that makes Israeli men incredibly attractive <laughs> and Israeli women. I can trust you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that whole thing of um, diversity is just remarkable and we say that, you know, innovation comes from experimentation and it comes from difference, you know. So you've, you've got this ability to maximise that and the resourcefulness of the different cultures and the willingness to share and um, the, the, the sechel or the smarts, you know, people really aspire. I mean, it's a, as, as Addie says, it's a small market. So to be successful, you've got to be really good. You've got to be really yeah. smart. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are some of those... Um, and I think your point, Addie, building on that is experimentation is everything, you know, and improvisation. I really learned about uh, and I've explored that a lot more, the notion of, you know, in, if you're in the IDF and you're in a valley and you're facing 500 enemy tanks and you're on your own, as, as has happened, you've got to improvise a way out. And, and that's what they do. They're just amazing how they can just think on their feet. Not always, um, what was the word? They don't always uh, make, them, make themselves popular. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, no. But they will make themselves heard. <laughs> heard for sure. You know, I, I, I travel a lot with, with the, the family, with the kids, and there are some places that we go and we know that we'll, it doesn't matter. This is how we speak and we'll be so prominent. We'll go into a restaurant and we'll be the only table heard because we're so loud. That's why we, we like to, to go to, to, you know, to Spain and Italy because we're not that out of not order. 
yeah. or my husband and I go, oh, yeah, well, let's do it the Israeli way, you know. So, what, what for does example, that mean? <laughs> well, here in Australia, you line up, you know, if you're trying sometimes, <laughs> if you're in the supermarket, you'll line up for the cashier in Israel. You just elbow your way in and put your things at the front of the line and make everybody wait um, while you go and get the rest of what you want so you can be honest. Yeah. I know it's an extreme yeah. example. Yeah. So. No, no, it's not extreme in Israel, but we split. We do it wisely. You could stay and he will go and bring all the other stuff. Like we're very yeah. wise on that one. Uh, the fact that you're talking about the line, it's it's so Israeli <laughs> that you never have really a line. It will always be like a zigzag in, in a sense. And it's yep. like the line is like no way. Like it's like reinventing the line each place that you go. It doesn't matter in the post office, in the supermarket. It's like, you, you know, but what you're saying is it sounds like something that it's hard to to really create a, a, a formula for. How do you formalize what you're what we're talking about and teach that afterwards? So how did you create okay. a, a program from it? Oh, that's a good question. So that was really my inspiration. And, and of course, you know, I, I really loved living there. Um, so that really opened up a new, we would say it, cr it created an opening um, and, a, door and a, a doorway and a threshold for me to really look at, well, this tiny country is really a model of the future and I'm, I'm I could sense this 11 years ago or 10 years ago when I was there so these guys have learned how to adapt you know in an unstable world and innovate and be really you know globally remarkable so there's something here to learn from so I started not only to research the Israeli culture but to re-educate myself in the whole innovation space so um People in people who work in innovation are incredibly generous. So I, I networked um, through LinkedIn and met amazing, amazing people who really helped me. And I did um, a series of online learning programs. So this is before online became what it is today. And really immersed myself in learning about innovation for a couple of years and started to put together my own curriculum. And then I, I needed to have a community, so I joined the International Coach Federation and got myself um, accredited. And then I thought, well, uh, I'll design a course to teach how to innovate um, like an Israeli. So I initially designed the Coach for Innovators Certified Program and started delivering that online and, uh, and iterated and pivoted and started blog all the things I'd never done before, blogging and doing webinar, everything that's commonplace today. You know, I'd never done a webinar in my life and there I was, you know, doing global webinars and writing blogs and... So, and marketing this program to coaches without knowing um, what I didn't know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and over the years, I've learned a lot by doing, um, by experimenting, by failing, had some great failures and, uh, and, and just stayed with it. And I think I always look back when I'm facing my own failures and setbacks and challenges is to sustain my determination 
and my resilience um, without losing my compassion and, you know, my ability to care for what I'm doing. So I try this to practice what, uh, what I teach. Yeah. Yeah. This is what Churchill said, that success is going oh. from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. Yeah, I know it's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that. So, so over time, um, it's really interesting because in our learning programs, we invite people to bring a business problem or opportunity to the program that they use as what we call an action learning assignment. And uh, that's sort of like what I've done um, over time is used the last, certainly the last 10 years as my action learning assignment to come up with now um, a business, uh, I suppose you'd have to say, I don't think the vision or the passionate purpose has changed much, but strategically how we operate today is nothing like what I had expected and our, our products um, that are now validated and verified, and of course I'm highly credentialed and I certify other people as coaches for innovation. Um, we, the, the product and the, and the business model is, is nothing like where I started. And I think that's the beauty of working in this space is, is your ability to adapt and advance and iterate and pivot you know, to, to give the customer something that is, they truly appreciate and cherish. So what, so, what do yeah. you think is, like, you learn from it. So what is the most important aspect of innovation culture and leadership as you see it? Um, I think it's where we got to, and certainly um, in our work, it comes down, oh, gosh, where to begin? I think <laughs> the, the 21st, so, so you asked me about Israel. So I started to model and I thought, well, if the Israelis do it with my background, I can replicate it and I can teach it. So, yeah, we can teach people to innovate like an Israeli. Um, that's definitely possible because our work is um, founded on mindset shifting or mindset change. So, yeah, that, that is possible. Anyone can do it. Um, my teacher said, possible in the world, possible for me. It's only a matter of how. I think Israel is a great example of 21st century future fitness. So the ability to dance with disruption and to dance on the edge of your comfort zone is key. You know, adapt and dance. Um, at the moment, you're being politically pulled back. Um, like I would say we're frozen for the last two years, but uh, yeah, but <laughs> like four, four elections in two years, I would say that's that's an accomplishment, right? That's going to happen when people resist change, you know, and and you have to change, and you've got right. uh, you know you've got a leader who is who is it's such a great example who is resisting the change that the country really needs to evolve to its next level of, of evolution. I mean, yeah. it's pretty obvious to people like you and I, not necessarily to to um, certain people whose names shall not But be you, mentioned. I, I heard uh, Yuval Noah Harari. I, I, you, you know him? He's a historian from software and, and he writes books about the history of mankind. And he talks oh, about... Course. 
Yeah. Right. And he talked about uh, the revolution. So like in societies, we need people who are traditional, who wants to live as is the, the culture, everything just to stay and people who want to, to advance and to change. And the balance between these two needs to be uh, um, suitable to what is needed. Because if you change too fast, it's, it cannot work because it will go to extreme. And if you stay, you will not be able to go with what is changing the world and really stay alive and sustain yourself. And in Israel, it's so tight, like 50-50. So it's at that time, it's like freezing because no, 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 like all these four elections, none of these sides was, was major enough, you know, and persistent enough, you know, to go and do the change other than, and, yep. and, and especially right now, you feel like people are starting to be so, Like four is like enough, I think. I, I would say one is enough, but nobody asked me. And, and you feel it. <laughs> and you feel it in this society. So you think that this ability to dance with change and uncertainty is the most important part for, in order to be an innovation leader? Uh, yes, and there's some and. So what we say is um, you've sort of like what I had to do when I got to Israel. I had to unlearn and adopt a beginner's mind so that you um, can come from not knowing. I think also is to um, embrace uh, this, oh, I would just say, really just take risks, you know. I mean, you've got to go to the edges because that's where the fruit is. So I think becoming a smart and calculated risk taker, um, being willing to improvise, Be, you know, challenge the status quo. I think just because the way we've always done it doesn't mean that's the way we have to do it. And my favourite term is, rather than say to be argumentative, is orchestrate constructive conflict. So like here in Australia, we're so scared of being disapproved of or not being seen as a friend to someone. So, you know, we, we say a leader has to be um, provocative and evocative you know, in, in unlocking people's potential. And I think with so much technological change and exponential change generally, people have to get, um, have to know how to get the best out of their people to unlock their potential. And we say um, to unleash their collective genius. So it's technology and people. Um, and just, you know, um, be hopeful and optimistic and and positive even though there's so many things going on that are so you know offensive and violate our values we we have to stay hopeful and optimistic and positive and adaptive but they're different terms to what we've used in leadership before and I think um, Israel's really sh uh, shone a light especially um, when Dov Roman said leadership today's like flying an airplane through a hurricane you know, or through a storm. That's a quote yeah. I remember from his book. So, you know, the, it's, it is a great um, model to learn from. And it does have, um, you know, like everything, you know, uh, pros and cons. <laughs> yeah. But if you have an open mind, you, you know, you, I think that's the beauty of the Israelis is they're, You know, willing willingness to learn from anything and everything, and that's really powerful. 
So I would ask you the last question. So what is the most surprising thing you learned about innovation after so many years of doing that? Oh, gosh. The most, oh, most surprising thing I've learned about innovation um, is that having worked for 32 years, pretty much consulting, training, facilitating, coaching on the people side of change, I still find it really hard to believe that people still think innovation is about technology. I think, yeah. you know, and I've been beaten up at conferences, you know, by the by the process guys. Get rid of the people. The people just resist change. Um, so um, it's 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 a very technological, manly point of view, right? So yes. there is this ability why people don't adjust. Like it, it, they are just interfering these people with the capability of technology, but actually they need to use it, they need to utilize it, and it will it should be beneficial for them. Other yes. than that, there is no reason for technology, right? So I I know it's a, it's a bit of a no brainer. I think the other thing um, with especially with the innovation team coaching programs we're doing at the moment is that. Innovation doesn't stand alone, you know, an, an organization needs to come up with its own definition of innovation. It needs to also be part of the strategy and, you know, there needs to be a vision for innovation. But what we've learned is that we're now integrating innovation with change management, with team development um, and with coaching. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's... It's definitely a must-have approach for 21st century success, whether you're an individual, a team, or an organization. Um, you know, I hate to say it, but it's innovate or die. You know, innovation is what, but it's what serves society. You know, innovation, if you think of um, once department stores were in innovation, you know, once upon it, if you read Stephen Johnson's work, who I love, You know, all these novel ideas were once just an idea in someone's imagination. So, you know, we we need innovation to flourish as a society, no matter how hard it is for some people to change. So yeah. you, you will, Addy, you will get out of the frozen zone in time. <laughs> I hope. I really hope, you know, like when you're talking about change, I always think about it as a as an entity, an um, organism, that in order to survive, it needs to, to re reshape itself yes, and regrow adapt. And, yep. and adapt. And what you said about unlearn, some of the cells need to die in order to have the resources and energy and ability for the young one, one's ideas and, and whatever, like to grow. And it's the same within a, a culture. It's the same within a state. It's the same within yes. humanity. We need to unlearn some of the things that we've done and then yes. do things that are better in a sense, that are more adaptive, that are better for us, for society, so forth. And there's a yes and for that. It's like when I got to Israel, I had to let go of all of what I knew in order to create the empty space or now we call it the transition or the, you know, for the new to emerge. And I think that's a little bit where Israel is right now. You're in that, the bottom of the U. 
you're in for a systemic change and I think at the edges you're finding that it might you might have to collaborate more closely with the Israeli Arabs which people <laughs> are resisting like crazy yeah, um, but yeah. it's a bit of a blinding flash of the obvious so you know you need to let go to let come it's yeah, let's come I never heard this yeah. term let's come yeah. let's, I love it yep let's go and to let's come it's bubbling away down there you know it's, it is wanting you know. to emerge it is but you there's a few barriers that you might have to encourage getting rid of yeah <laughs> uh, we really hope for a change in that aspect for sure so I want to thank you for your time and, and just ask you where could people hear from you and, and contact you and hear about imagination okay uh, thank you so uh, imagination um, as you can see on the screen.com.au and also at janetcernak.com.au and you can connect with me on LinkedIn. You can sign up for our newsletter and if you contact me, actually I'm naughty because I'm not very good at self-promoting. If you send me an email to this address, I'll just put it, oh, Julie's going to kill me. Um, I will give you a coupon to get um, the super early bird savings of US $400 on the next coach program that is starting on the 4th of May. So, so that I'll you add two, there you go. I did Great. it. Yeah, I'll add the link to the to video. So, so, so they just click it and then they have it. So yeah. I want to thank you, Janet, for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you as always. And fun for me just to, to think about things that are, they might be like, you know, like fish in the water. They don't, I don't see the water. So you've shown me this water at that time. So thank you, Janet. You're so welcome. And thank you for having me. Sure. And to all of you change makers out there, thank you for joining us. You're much invited to go and visit invincibleinnovation.com. And I'll see you next week with another insightful talk. See ya. Thank you. I'm Adima Zaukario, and you've been listening to the Invincible Innovation Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, invincibleinnovation.com, where you can learn more about our programs and my book, Innovating Through Chaos. I'll be waiting for you next week in our next episode. Thank you for listening.